For the first time in history, Ireland has a higher per capita income than England. And for the first time ever, the Irish are importing labor rather than exporting it. The European Union's got its own Marshall Plan, and big money has been going into Ireland as it enjoys one of the hottest economies in Europe. Coming up on Travel with Rick Steves, we'll discuss the Emerald Isle from north to south. You have one of the great things about your country to be that you're great talkers and great conversationalists. It's very flattering to hear that from an American. Irish people have always liked to play with language. We've got Stephen McPhillamy, who's from Northern Ireland, and Declan Field, who hails from Cork in the Republic, in our studio together to get you right up to date on Ireland. While it's no longer a cheap destination, the crack, that's conviviality and good conversation in the colorful pubs, is the best anywhere. And the pubs are now smoke-free. Join us for a chat with two friends who are blessed with that wonderful gift of gab as we visit Ireland. Coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly. I'm Rick Steves. Join us for a chat with two friends who are blessed with that wonderful gift of gab as we visit Ireland. Coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. First, let's start with your calls and emails. And we got Shannon on the phone in Toronto in Canada. Shannon, thanks for calling. Hi, how are you? Good. What are your What are your travel plans? I'm traveling to Europe for the first time at the end of the month. Um, I have two weeks to visit Amsterdam, Paris, and Italy, and I just want to make sure I'm not being too ambitious as far as the places I would like to see. Right. So you've got two weeks, and th- this is a common concern for people who haven't been to Europe yet. You know, uh, how how much time does it take to get from A to B, and what's a reasonable amount of sightseeing to do in a given amount of time? I think just, as, of course, you don't want the if it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium kind of insanity. On the other hand, I think just as bad as going too fast is going too slow. Now, you've got 14 days, and you want to do Amsterdam and Paris for sure, and then basically as much of Italy as is reasonable after that. Is that correct? Right. How much time do you want to spend in Amsterdam? Uh, I think I'll be there for between three and four days. Okay, so let's just think about that. 14 days. I would say, remember, it takes about five hours to get from Amsterdam to Paris by train. So you're gonna, are you flying into Amsterdam and flying home from Italy? That's right. That's a very smart thing. That's called open jaw, and it's no financial penalty or anything. It's half the round-trip fare from wherever you are in America or Canada over there and half the round-trip fare back from where you decide to choose uh, fly home from. Okay, so you're going to fly into Amsterdam, spend three or four days there, take the train. I would take the train uh, in the evening after a day of sightseeing in Amsterdam. I'd leave at 5 o'clock and get into Paris in the evening because right. um, you can just kind of uh, relax and enjoy the evening train ride and not spend any of your sightseeing days en route. Right. And then I'd give yourself four nights and three days in Paris. And then you could either fly, you could talk to your travel agent about flying down to Italy or take the overnight train from Paris to Italy. There's plenty of overnight trains. And that gives you basically a week in Amsterdam and Paris and a week in Italy. And if you got a week in Italy, it, it, you know, I would imagine... Most uh, most tourists, they want to do the predictable stuff, Florence, Siena, Rome, the, Ch- the Riviera. Um, that's going to be very crowded in the summer. If you're going to be there in the spring or the fall, it would be uh, more reasonable. But any time of year, you should anticipate crowds in Italy. So I would I would make your reservations for hotels well in advance. Um, what would you like to do in Italy? You, you know, Italy... You know, the, the the sites are three hours apart by train, so it's very easy to get from point to point in Italy. What would your priorities be, say, the best uh, three stops? Well, my priorities are definitely uh, Cinque Terre, Rome, and I think Florence. Perfect. Well, take Although the tr- I, I read a lot about Siena in your book. So. Yeah. I would say you got to be realistic here, um, Shannon. I would say take the train from Paris to the Cinque Terre and then spend uh, two days there, and in three hours you can get to Florence, spend two days in Florence and finish your trip in Rome, fly home from there. Terrific. Boy, that sounds exciting. Very exciting. (laughs) Wow. Well, thanks for your call and uh, have a great trip. Thank you very much. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Dee from San Francisco emailed us, and Dee has an interesting comment here. Let me read it to you. Come on, Rick, fess up. You don't really travel for months at a time in Europe filming with only the backpack on your back and and that little bit of luggage. Well, I think it would be a good idea to pack light on your trip since we have to schlep all our luggage with no porters. Only one pair of pants, one pair of shoes, and one shirt? I don't think so. What do you really wear when you're waiting for your clothes to dry? How do you hang up your clothes to dry in those teeny little rooms? Okay, Dee, let me tell you the truth about packing light. Whether I'm going for two weeks or two months, 
I pack precisely the same. There's no logical reason to take more for a longer trip. I live out of the 9 by 22 by 14 inch carry in the airplane size bag that you see me. I promise. That's all I ever take. In fact, I don't want to take more. If I had Sherpas, I'd set them free. I am into packing light. It's part of my vacation. It's part of the beauty of traveling. When I'm on the road, I don't have a lot of junk to worry about. Now, I do have two pairs of pants, so when I'm washing my clothes, I'm wearing one pair of pants, and I've never washed both of my pants at the same time. That would be an interesting trick. I talk about washing the clothes in the room, but to be honest, I've got enough money now to take them out to the laundromat. And I drop them by there or even have the hotel do my clothes, and uh, then I'm out sightseeing and enjoying my time while somebody else is doing the hard work of washing my clothes, and I come back to my room, and they're ready for me to go again. Do I just take one pair of shoes? Yes, I do. I don't. It sounds barbaric, I think, to some people that I would wear the same pair of shoes for 40 days in a row. I take them off at night. Uh, you know, it, it works just fine. I'm not saying you only need one pair of shoes, but if you can get by with one pair of shoes, that's packing light, and it behooves you to pack light. Think about it. In Europe, have you ever met anybody who after five trips brags every year, I pack heavier? Nope. With experience, you get serious about packing light. For everything you need to know about packing light, check out our ricksteves.com website and search for Packing Light. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and right now, travel takes us to Ireland. And I've got two good Irish friends with me here, guys that help me uh, lead my tours around Ireland. We want to answer some of your calls and give you a look at a very popular and rewarding corner of Europe to explore, the Emerald Island, Ireland. I've got Declan Field, who grew up in Cork in the south of Ireland, and Stephen McPhillamy, who's a tour guide from the north of Ireland. Thank you guys for being with us today. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Rick. What's a good way to meet the people when you're traveling through Ireland? Traveling through, uh, if you're driving through, take your own drive through. Take a car with you, and uh, make sure that you stop off at, um, in pubs in the towns and um, go up to up to the bar and maybe order a pint and start talking to the guy next to you. And the guy next to you, before you know it, he'll he'll give you his whole life story and his mother's and his father's and and uh, everything else. And within five minutes, you'll be talking to two or three other people around the place as well. So that's right. When you go to the bar. They'll assume you want to talk. If you sit at the table, is that... Yeah, if you got to... Well, even if you're sitting at the table, but basically uh, socialising is done in the pubs and bars in Ireland uh, to a large extent, not by any means to all... uh, But if you really want... Let's say you're lonely, you're a little awkward, you don't know anybody, and you're a traveller, and you you sit right on a stool at the bar, that people know you want to... You're there to talk. You're there to talk. It's a public house. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. a conversation will start pretty much straight away, and and, um, any any American visitor will find them very friendly, straight off. There's an old... uh, adage in Ireland that goes that there's no such thing as a stranger, just friends we have not yet met. And when I'm traveling in Ireland, I love to stay two nights in the same spot because I, if I go back the second night to the same place, I feel like I'm I'm a, a sort of an honorary local. Yeah, yeah. Ha- absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and people will probably flattered as well that you're coming back to meet them and you know come back to their, their time for a second night. The pub really is the uh, sort of extended living room or of the of the neighborhood. This is where you go to hang out and meet yeah. your friends. It's a public house, right? That's well, it's a public house. Yeah, really what it is. Now, big news in uh, Ireland travel right now is they're smoke free in the pubs. Is that right? Yeah, it's going great. Um, is that enforceable? I mean, people actually not smoking in the pubs? Yeah, uh, there's uh, I don't know, no one's going to go to jail over it or nothing. But there's big heavy fines. But the big penalty they have is if you uh, have people smoking in your bar, the government can. Um, refuse to renew your alcohol license, which in Ireland is a license to print money. Oh, really? We, we had a little revolution. <laughs> down in Galway, there was a down in Galway. That's right. Yeah, one of the bars, which will remain nameless, decided to, you know, they were going to go broke because nobody was able to smoke anymore. So they put up a sign, put ashes on all the tables, put up signs saying "smoking tonight," and hundreds of people came from all over the town, and they started. They lit up, and. Um, Got a lot of publicity in the press and the TV and the, and the radio and whatever. And, uh, he was closed down within a, a day or two, wasn't he? And uh, government crushed his revolution brutally. <laughs> <laughs> Told him that if he didn't stop, they'd, they'd uh, stop re- renewing his license. This really was quite a dramatic move. Overnight, no smoking well, in the pubs no, no, of Ireland. Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, they were the smoke havens in yeah. Europe up until then. Well, I mean, absolutely. so many people loved Ireland. They loved the pubs except for the smoke. These yeah. the Americans uh, are very sensitive. But you know what's smoke. happening now, Rick? Uh, in, in Ireland, uh, it, uh, the, the people are going outside the pubs and smoking outside the pubs. And that's where all the crack is. Everybody goes out and congregates around the door and uh, p- people are uh, talking about you know, meeting new friends and whatever. You know. Okay, you say that's where all the crack is. I'm yeah. sure eyebrows go up in America and ears perk. <laughs> crack, that's, that's not a legal drug. Crack, what does that mean exactly? That means fun. C-R-A-I-C. Is, C-R-A is yeah. a Gaelic word for conversation and yeah. conviviality. Conviviality. Good fun. crack. Yeah. You see pubs advertising in the window. It says good crack here. Yeah. Uh-huh. That means 
Good just come here. That's, that's yeah. social intercourse. So exists, now, yeah. so now the the action in a lot of cases is outside. They're taking their beer outside and they're smoking their cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. So you, right. you, well, you, you, you walk through the streets of Dublin now, and, and uh, there's a there's a blue cloud of smoke over the over the the, the pub doors. But you walk into the pubs, yeah. and you got this clear air. Because a lot of Irish people, <laughs> a lot of Irish people still like to smoke. Oh, they do. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard Irish people say you can't go to heaven unless you die first. <laughs> <laughs> and one one of the, the the drawbacks of having our country partitioned, Rick, is that there's still smoking. Of course, in Northern Ireland, in Derry and in Belfast, we still have smoking in the bars because it's a UK law. So you know, I've only noticed it now. I go to Dublin a lot there, and and I never really noticed smoking in the pubs before. Now I go to Dublin, and I know I don't notice they're smoke free. But as mm. soon as I go back to Belfast or back to Derry, I notice it's like being in a you know smoke filled chamber. It's just incredible. Then start getting coughs and choking and all sorts of stuff. We've got some people on the line, and we want to get them in on the conversation here. We have Judy in Illinois, and Judy took an archaeological tour of Ireland, and she had a good time, and she wants to share some thoughts on Ireland. Thanks for your call. You're very welcome. Yes, I took the archaeological tour in Dingle that you recommend in your book. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to go back and take it again, because I believe there are two different routes to be taken. That's right. And um, we always stayed outside of Dingle, in the ta- in town, but you know, not right downtown, mm-hmm. uh, at Ardnagrania mm-hmm. um, on Spa Road, and I was wondering whether there were any other B and Bs that you recommend. And of course, now that the smoking is not allowed in the pubs, I can go in the pubs. I'm an asthmatic and could never enjoy the crack before. So our next trip, I want to do a lot of listening to the local music. Great. Oh, this where is such would you good suggest? news. Well, first of all, you're talking about Dingle, and for, for listeners who don't know exactly where that is, that's my personal favorite peninsula in southwest Ireland, and it's just the alternative, the non-touristic alternative to the very commercialized but still very beautiful Ring of Kerry. Right. Most of the tour groups go to the Ring of Kerry. We like to go to Dingle, and the town of Dingle is great. The traditional lifestyles are there. You can walk through the streets in the evening and smell the peat fires, and it's got these wonderful pubs, and it's famous for its music. And you were asking about uh, uh, an alternative to the uh, B&B outside of town? Right. In Dingle still, you mean? Yes, in Dingle still. Well, we've got a, we we stay in a few nice places that we have a. I like I like Kathleen Farrell. She's a she's a hoot. If you want to have your own local grandmother and stay in a rather humble and very inexpensive place, Kathleen O'Farrell ran the first B and B in Dingle before there was any tourism Is that there. Right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. You could also stay with um with your guide from the archaeological tour, um, Tim Collins. He's got a B and B down mm-hmm. down in town itself, just beside the police station there. That's right. He has one, and doesn't his son have one also? Um, yes, yeah. uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, that's the um, my the place I stay personally is the captain's house. It's okay. Oh, that's lovely. The captain's, captain's house is very house. nice. I love the captain's yeah. house. Yeah. But you know, you got all of them listed in in my guidebook, and right. there must be twenty different places. But you know, I've uh, every time I do the research, I look at the out out of town places, and I think they're great. But I love Dingle Town so much. It's just a real treat to be able to tumble out of your door and walk down the street and have your choice of four or five different pubs with so much great conviviality and so much live music. Well, that's what we want. Good luck on your trip, and thanks well, for your call, Judy. Thank you very much. Okay. See you, Judy. Bye. Good luck, Judy. We've got Stephen McPhillamy, who's from Northern Ireland, and Declan Field, who hails from Cork in the Republic, in our studio together to get you right up to date on Ireland, on Travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines, with 4,000 flights to 250 cities in some 40 countries around the world every day. It's easy to book your next flight at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.
all aboard for the sightseeing tour from Galway to Dublin. All aboard. Hold it, hold it. Mary Ann is coming up the street. Hold what? Put Mary Ann in the baggage car. I know. All aboard. There's plenty more in Ireland as we travel with Stephen McPhillamy and Declan Field. Now, from my experience as a tour organizer, there's two ways to do Ireland. Probably most Americans, they go on the typical tour bus route, which is going to be, uh, what, uh, Waterford Crystal, Kiss the Blarney Stone, Muckrose Abbey. Ring of Kerry. Ring of Kerry. The, um, what's the open-air folk museum by the Shannon Airport? The castle? Oh, Bunratty. Bun, yeah, Bunratty Bun Bun Castle. Yeah, Every yeah, group yeah, goes yeah. to the Bunratty Castle for their medieval <coughs> banquet yeah. and mm. so on. Now, that's a fun trip, and people enjoy that, and they'll go to Killarney, and the beer's green, and the people look like leprechauns and so on, but it really is, to me, a way that you can isolate yourself from it's the not, real charm of Ireland. Yeah, it's not the real Ireland. You, Tell you, me about the real you, Ireland. You wouldn't be seeing the real Ireland. I mean, if you want to go and see the real Ireland, you'd go into places, um, like, th- there are certain places which uh, you, you, you have the two, you know, you, you have the tourist hotspots, but you also have uh, authentic Ireland. I mean, places like Glendalough, just south of, uh, of, of Dublin, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the Wicklow Mountains, and it'd be a shame to miss a place like that, a beautiful monastic site in the middle of a forest. And sure, so just some, because something's touristy, we don't uh, want to veto it. Yeah, yeah well, that's, yeah. I think you have to strike the balance, too. Like, I, right. I wouldn't go as far as, with respect to Declan, to say it's not real, Aaron. It's still, it exists, so therefore it's real. But it's, uh, but it's commercialized. Commercialized Ireland, yeah. Very commercialized, yeah. and a tourist will be seen as uh, part of the economy more than part of the party. Yeah, but I think the welcome would still be very genuine there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you can equally strike the balance and enjoy both. Mm-hmm. You know, get the real sort of authentic, uh, high-cultured and, and good Ireland and also have an equally good Ireland that's very commercialised and still equally enjoyable. Okay. Of, of course, also, there's another thing to consider if you are travelling to Ireland uh, this year. Cork is the capital of European culture. Uh, the city of Cork is the capital of European culture uh, for for the year here in, right? in, in Europe. Yeah, oh yeah, and that's your town. That's your my town, Cork. Yeah. All right. So I mean, if you're if you're traveling to Ireland, I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on in Cork, uh, yeah. like uh, arts wise and theatre and music and you know. But Ireland's you, booming, anyways. It must have the hottest economy in Europe. Yeah, it does. Does it still have a hot economy? I know it was called the Celtic Tiger economy, right? Yeah, yeah. I think well, we're, we're, our economy has slowed down a wee bit, but we're still growing at 2 or 3% higher than all the other top economies in the world. So. Now, I understand for the first time in history, you have a higher per capita income than the English. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. You're importing labor instead of exporting it. We're Im- importing labor. Not, not only higher per capita income than the English, but also like the, the Finns. And uh, I think the only people who are beating us are the people from Luxembourg. Is that right? Yeah, you know, like it's it's the highest per capita uh, income in Europe. And what goes hand in hand with that is high costs. It's high expensive costs. in Ireland. It now. is expensive. Yeah, yeah. I think it's as expensive as as England. Yeah. And it used to be cheaper than England. It used to be a lot cheaper than England. Yeah. So yeah. what are some tricks for enjoying Ireland without going broke? Hmm. Well, tough question. Well, maybe to try, you know, to try avoid the the swanky hotels. You know, to try and stay more in the in the B and Bs and and the local places. You know that that, that you'll find in and around. Uh, even in a big city like Dublin, you know, you'll find a B and B not too far away from the city centre, out in Dunleary or something. You know, you could get the Dart in, uh, which is our local kind of metro system. Sure, the Dart takes you from the suburbs or the outlying towns, the outlying very towns. efficiently yeah. into downtown. Yeah, like twenty minutes, and you're in downtown Dublin. I'm just you know? looking at one of my in my guidebooks here in a listing for a small town in the west, and you'll pay, oh, you'll pay seventy uh, pounds for a bed and breakfast now. That's quite expensive, actually. Figure two dollars per pound. A humble bed and breakfast with a private bathroom and a big breakfast included is sixty pounds. That would be hundred. Sixty euros. 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 Yeah. That'd be euros. Yeah. Um, these are pounds. Oh, is that right? Oh, I'm sorry. No, these yeah, are these euros. are euros. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. So it's not so much. So you got about a hundred ninety dollars, eighty dollars for a double room, and that includes a big hearty breakfast. Yeah. So figure you got thirty dollars worth of uh, food and oh yeah, I mean the 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 breakfast. Um, I've got I've got friends now that I've got particular friends that from France, funnily enough, that come over to Ireland and go fishing in Cavan, and um, they say that their breakfast is for them the breakfast and lunch. I mean, they, well, that's I think how it historically originated. Yeah. a huge fry, huge gets you fry out yeah, in the yeah. fields, and you can yeah. come back at dinner time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like you you don't effectively need to buy another dinner in or lunch in the middle of the of the day. And I've had B and B hosts that actually will allow you to take a sandwich away or something like that, or you can ask if that can be done. But there are ways to cut corners. You'll stay in a B and B, and what we say it's forty dollars per person with breakfast in a very very cozy environment, very friendly. Yeah, and then you would have uh, your pub meal. Oh, the pub meals, yeah. Yeah, probably much less expensive than going into a big hotel. Yeah, um, or a, a restaurant 10, even, yeah. you know. 10, you have a daily euros. specials. Ten. Very heavy, big meals, you know, a nice big bowl. You can get a very sub- substantial big bowl of chowder over there on the West Coast, five euros, six euros. That's great. 
you can get around. The bus transportation is uh, fairly inexpensive. The trains supplement that. problem with public transportation in Ireland is a lot of the trains go in and out of Dublin, and if you're going across the grain, it can be frustrating. You'd want to use buses. Yeah, our, right? train, our train system is, to me, you know, fairly disastrous, to be honest. Like, there's no, yeah. no north-south corridor, for example, or no, no along the west coast, you can't go north and no. south along the west coast. And, you know, New we, express train, though, from Belfast, Belfast to Dublin. Belfast to Dublin is, is pretty good, but very, very expensive. Expensive, uh, but uh, if 35 you, euros return. It's 35 round trips, so you're yeah. talking $45 to go from for a day trip from Dublin to Belfast. Think about that. You can get up there in, what, 90 minutes or something like that, I think, now. Is that possible? Three hours. Three hours. Okay, so it's not yeah. quite as fast as I yeah. thought. It's not quite two a TGV. Two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. But you can conceivably make Belfast a day trip from Dublin. Oh, you I can think do makes that, a yeah. lot of sense. In fact, I would recommend anybody thinking of going to Ireland not think of their trip as complete without doing all of Ireland. That means the Republic of Ireland, that's three-quarters of the island basically, and the north of Ireland, which is the part of Ireland that's ruled from London, part of the, yeah. the Great Britain. And ideally, someone going up the north would allocate two, maybe three days. Two days you know, is pretty much good uh-huh. enough to see Northern Ireland. It's not the biggest place in the world. But even if it's only going to be just a day tour to Belfast, that, that has to be done. I, re- I agree. Part you just cannot life. say you've seen Ireland without heading up to the north. And, you know, for 15 years, we've been taking groups up to the north, uh, Stephen, and uh, everybody who goes up there is, is uh, impressed by the beauty, friendly people. It's more British feeling than it is in the, in the Republic, I think, because there's this heavy, obviously this heavy British influence. Uh, but uh, there's nothing dangerous or scary about going into the north these days not from not, a tourist point of view. Not at all. I mean, I've always found... I don't. I think I can safely say with my hand on my heart that we've ne- and from a fact perspective, we've never had a tourist attacked up there. Never a bus attacked, a tourist bus, never uh, anyone accosted for their, yeah. because they're visiting. And the people who are violent about the struggle between the North and the Republic and so on, if they wanted to target the tourists, they could. Absolutely. And they're they're not interested. The tourist no, trade. Not interested at all. That's, uh, that's good Protestants would welcome you with open arms. Catholics will welcome you with open arms. They just won't welcome each other. And that's the problem. I gotcha. And you want to use common sense. I mean, you just don't go into a Protestant pub and sing Catholic songs. Oh, yeah. You want to be slightly sensitive. I mean, <laughs> and, and that's just heads up. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. even noticed the colors are important in the north. There's yeah. orange and there's green, right? Yeah. I mean, on, on a lot of the um, of the doors uh, to the pubs in Centre City, Belfast, they'll say no football shirts. And and, and that is, you know, if, if you're wearing um, football shirts, if you're wearing Glasgow Rangers, it means you're a Protestant. It's kind of like gang colors here. Exactly. Like it's like that. gang colors. So that's here. just common street savvy. Yeah, but, but uh, in saying that also, like if you are down t- in downtown Belfast, you're in one of the safest uh, city centres in Europe. I think know? so. That's my experience. Now, if you're looking for traditional Irish culture, you need to go, I think, to a Gaeltech. And I reckon this is, or I sort of describe this as a national park for the traditional culture where the government is subsidizing or helping fund the survival of the traditional Irish ways. These are mostly on the West Coast where people actually speak Gaelic. Yeah, they speak Irish. Or we, we call it Irish, you know. Irish. Gael tech uh, literally means Irish speaking. Is that yeah, right? Irish speaking, yeah. Gael tech. People living there get tax breaks. They get, um, they're going to, if anybody wanting to invest there will get uh, uh, grants. Mm-hmm. And families who prove that they can speak Irish fluently get a, a cash sum each year from the government. It's right? a nice little boost. Wow. So they send inspectors around, you know, to talk to you. It's also big business now as well. See, in Ireland, um, the Gaelic language or the Irish language is compulsory in school. You have to learn it. You have no choice from the age of four until the age of 18. And the government is spending money to get people to speak the traditional Irish language. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you, you can imagine when the, the inspector is coming up to the door, like the people inside in the house to be uh, say, here he comes, boys. So they start speaking Irish. It is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 yeah, and once you get the euros in the back pocket, then we'll you know, be back right. into English. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and also in Ireland, you can't, get, you can't get a job in the government if you don't have it. So you kind of have to. You have to have it. You, can't, you get can't get a job with the Irish bureaucracy, the government, yeah, without speaking Postmen, Gaelic. policemen. Huh. You have to have a working knowledge of Irish if you want to work. Well, there are regions of Ireland where people speak Gaelic as their routine everyday language. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. tourist steps in and they, they turn their head and they slip into English without missing a beat. Yeah. yeah and then the tourist goes away and they turn back to each other and carry on in their Irish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the areas where, where Irish is the first language, um, English is also spoken very beautifully because... Um, they're, they're brought up speaking Gaelic and you know the way sometimes we grunt at each other when mm. we speak English and you know, not pronounce full words they pronounce everything beautifully you know? I love it yeah. like my mother's from an Irish speaking area and, and uh, every word is pronounced right because she learned English from at school you know okay. so it would be hello how are you doing everything's very slow and yeah. just a very nice way of um, I, I just expressing love, the I, English language as well because of the Gaelic influence 
I love being on the west coast of Ireland where they say the next parish over is Boston. Boston. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And you see people just staring out to see, aye, the shores of America. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, it's funny, I was reading a thing uh, this morning in a book and uh, it was about the, the sun setting into the west. And the sun setting into the west is you're looking towards the future. The sun rising in the east, you're looking towards your motherland. You're, you're, you're looking from where you came from. Is that so, right? Now, yeah, is that yeah. dealing with the immigration to America? Well, well to, to a certain extent, and also, like as you, as you said, like you, you, you'd love to be over in the West, but I mean, I, I, whenever I'm over in the West, I feel a, a fierce um, sort of feeling of optimism, you know. And uh, I think a lot of it does come from uh, around the world. Actually, a, a lot of West Coast uh, communities are, you know, people who 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 are looking towards the future, right? You know, hmm. so, well, uh, sitting here in Seattle, that's a nice thought. <laughs> I think it's fun when you get to talk to these pe- the people in the Gale Tex especially, but Ireland in general. You've got this famous gift of gab, and that's no hollow tourist slogan. You really have an art with the language. Yeah. And as a traveler, you've got to grab the opportunity to hang out and talk with people. That is essential. Forget the museums. If you haven't talked to people, you really haven't been in Ireland. And just I'll, I'll never forget the fun... Con- I've been in wrapped up in conversations in people's homes and the sunsets, and nobody even thinks to turn on the lights. And all of a sudden, we realize we're talking in the dark. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And it just the conversation just combusts on its own. And people have just a great way. I remember asking a guy on the West Coast over in Dingo, were you born here? And he said, no, it was about five miles down the road. And then later on, I said, have you lived here all your life? And he said, not yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably just for you guys. It's probably just the way you talk, yeah, yeah, but I found yeah. it very poetic. Yeah. It's very flattering to hear that from an American. You have one of the great things about your country to be that you're great talkers and great conversationalists. And the time the, the, is not really money in your culture as much as it is in our country. I don't think. Yeah, well, yeah, we're um, we're working to live in Ireland. Or we lived, we work to live rather than live to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm proud of that fact. Well, there's, a, there's also a thing about the language in Ireland. You know, as uh, like writers like James Joyce and Jonathan Swift and these people are, you know, come from. That's right. You, you know, got all these great writers. Yeah, and like, the, and the, the, these writers are using language as a, as a kind of a plastic material, almost. You know, something that they can, you know, work with and yes. and, uh, and play around with, and, uh, and and they're pulling new meanings out of words. You know, so. Uh, uh, Irish people have always liked to play with language. I know? love that concept. It's a it's a tool that you use to. Yeah. Eight seven seven three 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 Rick. We've got Alan in South Jersey. Nice to talk to you. Thank you. Um, watched your show for years, and uh, we've uh, done some uh, international travel, taking the kids to Mexico. I've been to England. Uh, now my kids are fourteen and twelve, and I'd love to take them to Ireland. Um, the thing I have, I have a two-part question. The first is, obviously, you talk about trying to watch your money and get the most out of the vacation. Do you recommend a and b for uh, the parents and the children? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if you're going over, you'd obviously probably have to take two bedrooms, you know, for uh, the parents and the children uh, in a and b most will have family rooms as well if you yeah. wanted them all going together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could save money that way as well by going into a family room. How, yeah. how old are your children, Alan? 14 and 12. 14, 14 and 12. 12. At that age, my wife and I finally uh, uh, spent the money and got two rooms. You know, for, for right. 10 years, we traveled with our kids in the same room. We'd get a triple and, and just kind of improvise the second, the, the fourth bed. But it's, uh, you, you know, in B&Bs, you'll find that it, they charge per person in okay. a lot of cases, rather than per room. So you don't have this economic need to pack everybody into a room like you would have in a hotel where a quad costs just a little more than a double. Okay. I am Protestant, and my kids and my wife are Catholic, and we just wanted to be aware of any type of protocol that we should uh, maintain while we're there. Yeah, I think there'll be absolutely no, no problem. No problem whatsoever, and, yeah. And I'd be extremely surprised if you find it. For example, like I live in Northern Ireland, and I'm, I'm Catholic personally, and I have two little daughters, eight and five, and if I ever once heard them speak anything bad about a Protestant, they'd be in serious, serious trouble. You know, you're not going to have any issue there. The problem in Northern Ireland is, is between the British uh, loyalists and between Irish nationalists. There's no The religion certainly comes into it, but you'll be identified as an American first and foremost, and no one will have any interest in your religion. I'm very impressed with the general Irish population how just really wants to find a way to work together and extremists are the ones that sort of blast reasonability out of the water occasionally. You know, um, Stephen was just telling me a great story about his his daughter was skipping rope at the schoolyard and they have a little song traditionally that in the old, less, you know, old days when the problems were a little more... Uh, on people's uh, tongues. Uh, tell us this story about skipping rope in the song. Oh, she's only she's only five, you know, Erin, and she <laughs> she uh, learned the song from the older kids. Uh, I would hope not for me anyway. And the song was the chorus of it as she skipped was the the Protestants of all the houses, the Protestants of all the houses, and she was uh, stopped by her priest in the 
playground. The priest said to her, you know, Aaron McPhillamy, it's very bad to sing that kind of song. We're trying to build good relations here with our, our Protestant neighbors. And he said to her, from now on, he said, we girls sing, Jesus was born in the stable. Jesus was born in the stable. And um, three days before I left for America to come over, she was caught singing, or he discovered her very proudly singing, Jesus is born in the stable. And he said to her, Aaron McPhillamy, that's great. Why do you know now, like, be a good girl, why was, why was Jesus born in the stable? And she says, oh, Father, must have been because the Protestants at all the houses. <laughs> so that, that was her response. So the kids very are figuring it out. Yeah. I see kids on the streets of Belfast dancing together, and they're actual sort of government-funded um, summer camps where Protestant and Catholic kids get together and they, and they get away from some of the baggage of their parents. Yeah, there's many initiatives that are bringing us together and, and someday hopefully that they'll bear fruit. It's going to be a while that we know that. But Oh, yeah. So it was a deep-seated, uh, a very historic problem. Yeah. But uh, my wife and I, uh, Alan, I'm Protestant. My wife's Catholic and we've been going to Ireland for years and it's, uh, you know, I just, I just feel like a... I feel like an honorary Catholic yeah. when I'm in Ireland. It's and, great. And Alan, you know, you're, you're the, the aspect of you being an American is, is to your benefit in Ireland. It's, it's the, the one big society in Ireland where Americans are genuinely uh, liked and embraced and welcomed especially. Oh, yeah. It is a beautiful country. It's been a wish of ours to go there. And uh, I would just love to get my kids over there. And again, expose them to international travel and see the rest of the world. Absolutely. Good luck on your trip, Alan. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Sláinte, Alan. Sláinte. All right. What does sláinte mean now for folks? To his good health. To your good health in Gaelic, in old Irish. Sláinte. What's another good Irish word we should know? Uh, we could say uh, Cade Mila Falcha. 100,000 welcomes. 100,000 welcomes. Say that again. Cade Mila Falcha. Gorav Mahagot, what is that? Gorav Mahagot is thank, thank you. Thank you very thank much. You. I remembered a word in Gaelic. Gorav <laughs> Mahagot. Hey. There's plenty more on Ireland, coming right up on Travel with Rick Steves. Nazywam się Kasia Derlicka, jestem z Warszawy, z Polski i podróżuję z Rickiem Steve'em. And that was Polish for my name is Kasia Derlicka from Warsaw, Poland and I travel with Rick Steves. Nazywam się Kasia Derlicka, Warszawy, z Polski i podróżuję z Rickiem Steve'em. Rickiem Steve'em? That's my name in Polish? <laughs> That's your name in Polish. Rickiem Steve'em. <laughs> Dziękuję. Dziękuję. 877-333-RICK this is Travel with Rick Steves. we got George in San Diego. And George, uh, you got a question about Ireland? Uh, yes. Uh, my name is George, and I'm uh, planning a trip with my wife by car for about four weeks. And we plan to sort of do the uh, clockwise loop in Rick's guidebook. But we also would like to do two of those weeks in two different places with a self-catering apartment type thing. Wow, that sounds great. We uh, we really love the idea of uh, settling in a place right. and having a chance of meeting the real people. When we take a group around Europe, uh, how long are our tours? Like they're 14 days? 14 days. Yeah. So you got exactly what we do. Uh, you got 14 days for heavy-duty sightseeing and then two weeks for staying put and really connecting with the community. Declan and Stephen, what do you think would be a good place for an, uh, an American with an interest in Ireland to settle down for a week? Uh, 
two places would spring to my mind. One would be Galway. Um, I also love Dublin. Uh, you know, if, if there's something to be found there mm-hmm. that's that's cheap and cost effective, maybe an apartment or a self catering house somewhere nearby the the city centre or on the outskirts. Dublin's a great place. Great I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, Dublin. Yeah, Dublin. Yeah, for the uh, for the culture and for the insight into kind of all of Ireland, really. You know, because uh, you, you can pick up a lot of from from the museums and the galleries and whatever that you have in Dublin City. But uh, as I said earlier on, Cork is the the uh, city of European culture. You know, mm-hmm. for this coming year. And there's a, a certain place in uh, West Cork called the Bearer Peninsula, mm. and that is absolutely beautiful. And uh, you can get self-catering ho- uh, cottages down in the Bearer Peninsula, and um, you can use that as a, a striking out point, you know, for getting up into Cork City or even going into Kerry from there, you know, you're, you're not that far. So, George, Bearer Peninsula is down in the south, just, I think, um, to the east of the famous Ring of Kerry. That's right, yeah. Uh, Kinsale? It's on from Kinsale, further south okay. than Kinsale. So now, we, just before we go on, I think it's very important to review. We got this self-catering apartment you're talking about or a cottage in the country that's rented by the week that comes with a kitchen. That's With v- a kitchen, yes, sir. Very inexpensive compared to renting by the day in a bed and breakfast, you see. Uh, and I think our, our vote is to take uh, one week in a big city, and it would be either Cork or Dublin, and one week in the countryside to feel the rural uh, tempo of life and so on. And uh, Declan recommends Brera Peninsula. I know Dingle Peninsula so well. I'm, I'm really charmed by Dingle, so personally I would stay in uh, Dingle Town. What was your other question, George? Well, Dingle and Westport are our preliminary choices. Well, Westport would be interesting. Westport's yeah, lovely, yeah. Westport would be good also, too. Uh, it's a yeah, nice we, jumping off point for a lot of stuff up in Connemara. And we Benavid. found on the continent doing the same sort of thing that we, uh, we like uh, some museums in some cities, but we really like the, the small places. Yeah, All right. Hey, Westport's got some very good, I know personally, some good properties for rent. They're, they're, it's a town that suffered a lot during the famine and, and you know, emigration has ravaged the place years ago. Uh, Grace Kelly's uh, grandfather came from there, for example. But it's come on a lot. You know, the people there have worked hard over in Glasgow and in London and New York and Boston and whatever else, and they've put their money back in. A lot of them put them back into very nice and, and comfortable uh, cottages and self-catering uh, little houses on the coast. And you could also, if you were there, George, take a, a hike up uh, Croke Patrick, mm. which is our mountain there, nothing seriously high. It's about 2,500 feet tall. But that's where St. Patrick went up and, and did his penance. For four days. For any snakes. Oh yeah, well our snakes are all in the parliament, <laughs> <laughs> so you'll find them there. There you go, George. Can you thanks. suggest any resources that would be, uh, say, online, for example, to locate these kinds of rentals? Yeah, you'll get them on uh, the Irish Tourist Board's uh, website. And Tourist uh, Board. Tour, it's called Tourism Ireland. Ah, so if you okay. go into Google or any of these um, search engines and just type in Tourism Ireland, you'll, you'll, it'll come up give you all the information you can book them online give, and, and there's the photographs and everything and, which will help you there's reviews of pre- people who have stayed there before great George well, thank you very much yes thank you that's, yeah. uh, that's great we'll do the B&B thing out of the guidebook in between the stops. well thanks and uh, you're going to make some very good friends in the B&Bs uh, I just think that's one of the highlights of traveling through Ireland is actually connecting with these folks in these wonderful B&Bs and I'm sort of envious you got a whole month for Ireland well, I'm also traveling with a Finnegan, and she looks like she belongs there. All oh, right. Absolutely. She must be very beautiful. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Thank you, George. gentlemen. You bet. Good day. Good day. We have Donna on the phone from North Carolina. Thanks for your call. What's on your mind? Oh, I just want to make comments. I've just, I'm chopping at the bit. I just got back from Ireland uh, for my first trip to Ireland. My husband and I went with my 12-year-old. So I have comments for all your your call-ins, and um, I'd like to hear from your guests as well. I I didn't hear a whole lot about the music, and the music in Ireland was just the best. And we are, that's sort of why we went. Where did you enjoy the music? We were staying actually at the Fitzpatrick Castle in um, Killiney. Killiney, yeah. Yeah. Killiney, and, yeah. And we were in Dalkey on Wednesday night at McDougall's. McDonough's. McDonough's. McDonough's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, McDonough's, yeah. <laughs> and, um, it's a friend, of, a friend of mine runs that session. He brought his fiddle, and um, there was maybe 20 players, and they just gathered in the corner, and the people were so friendly, and they played and played and played and played and played. You know, this, is, this to me is classic Ireland. I mean, here we have somebody calling from North Carolina, and they went to a pub, and Declan, across from me, 
from Cork knows the fella that runs the place. <laughs> and Ireland is that small and, and charming and cozy. I mean, you can have a third of all the people in the entire Republic of Ireland gathering together for one mass when the, when the Pope comes to town, right? <laughs> or is that at Croke Park? Or, or, it was in uh, Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix Park. Phoenix Park. Phoenix Park. I was there for Dublin. that as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, over half the population of Ireland was there. Half the population yeah, yeah, yeah. gathered at one mass. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's right, yeah. I got goosebumps yeah. just thinking about yeah, that. That yeah, is yeah. so cool. Yeah. And then you can watch, uh, you can watch uh, uh, TV one night and you see the, the most popular traditional musicians playing their Irish folk music. And the next day, they're on the other side of the island in some humble little pub entertaining 20 people. Absolutely. It's yeah. that Absolutely. sort of intimate yeah. and was, that sort of accessible. wonderful. And Donna, you would have noticed, uh, this, this is Stephen up from, from Northern Ireland, you would have noticed great connections between your, your Appalachian music down there oh, and, the, and the music yeah. of the Carolinas and, and the Irish music. Bluegrass, I think. We're quite into it. My husband opens a Merle Fest here in Wilkesboro with Doc Watson um, every other year. So we were on our way to Omaha, to the American Folk Park, to see their Christmas thing. But we really... But, you know, you can't go as fast in Ireland as you can go in North Carolina. I mean, oh. you can't go down the road. You can't get there. <laughs> yeah. I want to mention um, we are going back, and Omaha is on the, on the agenda, that's for sure. You know, there are certain places, you guys, that are trendy for music, right? I mean, Doolin used to be the place. I met so many. When I went to Doolin, people go straight to Doolin, this humble little town uh, mm. on the west of Ireland. Ennis is a great place, yeah, isn't it, for yeah, music? Yeah, some great uh, Irish tradition music. Yeah. West Donegal up in the northwest, great fiddle yeah, playing tradition up there. Go, what, what's really hot now for traditional music in Ireland? In terms of where to, where to go? Where to go, yeah. I, I would think West Donegal is coming on. That's where Enya's from. Uh, they have a lovely ha- haunting voice up there when they sing in Gaelic. Mm. Uh, and, and there's uh, some great music as well coming out of, coming out of Galway. You know, there's some I love the pubs in Galway. Yeah, yeah. Oh. In a, in a, on one of the pubs in Galway, there was a painting on the wall that showed two roads coming together in the middle of the countryside and a little fire in the middle of the road and people dancing around. Crossroads dancing. Crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that was so evocative to me yeah. because this is how the people would come together where there's not even a town. It's just yeah. farm communities. There's, a, there's actually another thing, Donna. If, if you walked out of McDonald's and Dalkey and took a right and walked down to the end of the village uh-huh. and you walk up to another pub called Finnegan's, oh. you, you could walk in there and uh, you might see Bono drinking at the bar. That's oh, his local. Oh, my goodness, we walked right by it. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow, I, I mean, he, he drinks in there quite regularly, you know what we I mean? We have to go back. And he's, he, was the first, he was the first citizen to break the smoking ban. <laughs> <laughs> he owns a bar down in the town, down oh, in town as well. He, he was caught breaking the smoking ban with one of the guys from Metallica. Well, <laughs> I That's rock and roll, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just have to tell you that Rick's advice, just don't worry, you're going to go back and plan to go back because you cannot see everything that you want to see. And I have a whole list. As far as the pubs and the children, just remember, um, you can't feed people in the restaurants after children under 12 after about 6.30. 6 o'clock, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I'd, we weren't aware of that, but we did stay in the timeshare at the Fitzpatrick, and we, so it was like, you know, we cooked. I'm sorry, what's this deal now? You can't feed kids in the pub well, after Well, they, they say no children allowed in the pubs after. Uh, no children, in, no in children after nine. Yeah. After nine, no. Those because I've taken my kids into the pubs, and of course they can't be served alcohol, but we've uh, gotten them a Coke or something, and they have well, a good... They, we, we now I, have a new minister for justice. Yeah. Who's, uh, become, who's <laughs> sort of stamping down on our, our... He doesn't like the sort of boozy aspect of our culture, so we, want, we have a problem with underage drinking in Ireland, yeah. so he wants kids off the premises. Right, totally. right. Interesting. Okay. But it wasn't bad. I mean, he was at that Fitzpatrick. We had um, uh, a resource so that he could stay there, and we went on to the pub, and that was fun. He enjoyed the Irish television. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you, we took him, as we were also trying to go north, we took him to New Grange during the solstice. Oh, we, oh New Grange yeah. during yeah. the solstice. Oh, it was wonderful. We did not sign up to be one of the 24,000 people to get in we there. tried to get in in the morning. Uh, you know, quite a crush. <laughs> Donna, thank you so much for your call. You sound like a, a person who loves to travel. Well, I'm going to call you the next time you have a trip about Ireland. because, And don't forget the, the, the ship in New Ross. You must go see that. The famine ship. Yeah, 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 the famine ship. Yeah. I love yeah. the famine ship. We, yeah. we visited that with our television crew and, and uh, put that in our show. It's a, that's a famine ship on the south coast of Ireland uh, near Waterford. Your Waterford, yeah, that was re, uh, rebuilt uh, using tra- uh, traditional techniques. And, and they've uh, got people dressed in the costumes of the day when uh, half of Ireland was either starving or going to America. Absolutely. These are, these yeah. are the coffin ships. Because coffin most ships. People, well, most people died on the way over. Died yeah. on the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, we have relatives from the Scots-Irish North and from there, from Powers Court around the South, and uh, we are definitely going to be back. Brilliant. And thank you for letting Fantastic, me call. Donna. <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear your enthusiasm. You make me want to go there right now. Uh, thanks a lot, Donna. Okay, bye. God bless. You know, when we're talking about pubs, you guys, Ireland has this new um, sort of um, fast-moving economy. And I understand the old heavy Guinness and the stout. It's not – there's um, – people are drinking more lagers now and there's a little less heavy beer drinking. 
just not in keeping with a, a fast-moving, high-tech economy. You there, still are, uh, there still are gallons of Guinness drunk every day in Dublin and all around, you know, like thousands of rivers, hectoliters of Guinness. Of Guinness. Yeah, but, of uh, course. But, but, you but you're, all, you're also getting more kind of more Europeanized drinking, such as, you know, white wine and red yeah. wine and, you know, uh, people uh, drinking... Um, lagers and light, light beers. Uh, you go into a pub in Ireland, you see a beer, you'll get a Guinness, won't you? Yeah. Uh, well, if you know, if you, if you say a pint. A pint? Yeah. Okay, you yeah. want a pint. You and I've never Guinness. seen it in all my years, I, mean, I might be corrected here, but I've never seen a woman drink a pint of Guinness. <laughs> I'll stop that. Have you? Okay. Yeah, of course I have. Well, uh, maybe it's north, north <laughs> side. In the north. Well, now <laughs> they, had a, they had a woman's Guinness. They had a Guinness light. Well, yeah. Well, they, they tried that? that? Yeah, they tried that and it was, a, it was an unmitigated disaster. I think a lot of people were just appalled. That yeah, they would even yeah. compromise yeah, this heavy yeah. stout. You can draw your name in the head, right? That's right, yeah. Or at least yeah. you can draw a shamrock on the yeah, head. Yeah, and, and you should be able to, if you've, if you've got a, de- a decent point, uh, the, the rings off the creamy head will sort of stick to the side of the glass as the pint goes down. So you should have most of your heads kind of uh, on the side of the glass by the time you finish your pint. Is that right? And, it, uh, and that's a, it's meant to be the sign of a good pint of Guinness. They say know. Guinness doesn't travel very well. Is it actually better in Ireland? Or? Oh, it is. Yeah, I much think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. the, the thing about Guinness is it's, it's the quality of the water, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, to a large extent you know, um, indicative of our it, – it plays a part in, ma- in making a decent pint. It's got the peat and all the, the well, history it's, and everything. Well, it, it's, it's got, it's got – um, there's a spring uh, outside, James, uh, outside James's Gate up in, in Dublin now and the, they, they get the water for the brewery there and um, that's got a special quality that water it's very soft water and it's very clear water but it must Whereas, travel alright uh, because the biggest Guinness brewery in the world is in Lagos in Nigeria that's right is that right? Uh, the Nigerians oh, are the biggest that. Guinness drinking market in the world we're only the fourth there's a good Cameroonian, for you. Cameroon is second that great no. Irish, our, 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 Irish our, cultural our, bastion you, you, you could also say that it obviously doesn't travel well, you know, because it has to be brewed oh, in that, Africa, yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> you know, another thing they try to do at Guinness is ice Guinness, actually making it cold. Yeah. And I don't know if that's still around or not. It still is, but I, 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 don't, I don't think it's too great for the old Guinness liver, you know. Is, Guinness is just better room temperature, yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, it's slightly cool. It's, it's slightly chill, yeah. but, but, you know, not freezing cold. So no, it hurts I, actually, teeth. I like Guinness when I'm Ireland, but I actually like Murphy's better. Yeah, well, so do I. You've got good taste, Rick. Thank you very much. Mur- Murphy's is, Murphy's is brewed, brewed in Cork. Oh, is that a Cork thing? So this is a little bit of pride, huh? You're gonna, if you're yeah, Murphy, Mur- Murphy's and Beamish are both brewed in Cork. Okay, but that's Guinness. another stout, which has a little different a stout, personality. Yeah. 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 Personally, I'm a whiskey drinker. Is that right? In the north. A lot and what's of the difference? Drink. Well, you're, yeah, but now you've got Irish whiskey and Scotch whiskey. Yeah, Irish is uh, obviously better, but also distilled three times. <laughs> so so from, from if you're a whiskey connoisseur, for example, now you know that... that uh, Irish has a much softer feel. It doesn't burn your throat. The Scots only only distill theirs twice, so it's burnier. Uh, and you'd often hear as well when they malt their barley, they malt it very, over. They're very mean with fire. the turf, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they, they have a, a sort of peaty taste from their whiskey. You can actually taste the peat of it. Is, now, is uh, ours is softer and, p- and pure. But again, you know, is that a, is that a qualitative taste. thing, or just the Scots actually like their? peaty flavour. No, oh, they, they do, yeah. They, they it's like it's like an acquired that. taste. I mean, yeah. like it's, they're two different things, you know. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Like, uh, I'm the same as you, Stephen. I, I'd prefer uh, an Irish whiskey because it's smoother. But a, a lot of people would prefer, would like Scotch whiskey because, you know, it's, it's got a different taste. It's got different complexities it's, of taste. And they're spelled different, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They, we haven't, we're allowed to have an E, they're not. Is that right? Uh, you can't put an E in, an, in a Scotch whiskey? No, it's always W-H-I-S-K-Y. I, I yeah. didn't know that. We have the E. Now, the big uh, brew- distillery is Bushmills, right? Bushmills in the north, Jameson yeah. in the south. Jameson in the south. Because yeah. are they together or something? They're, because all, they're all, all actually owned by uh, Irish distillers who are in turn owned by Pernod from France. Is that right? So, okay, yeah. now, because in my travels, I found three different places where you can actually visit a distillery and uh, taste the Bushmills or the Jamesons in uh, South Coast near Kinsale. In Dublin and up on the Antrim coast, north, on the north edge of Ireland. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, Jameson in Dublin now is only a museum. It's not actually, no whiskey's made there. Oh, right? It's made actually down in Declan's part of the world, down in Cork. Okay. Bush I, Mills I, up I in the really north enjoyed the Bushmills tour on the south. I did not like it in Dublin and I loved it up in Antrim coast. Uh, Hmm. But they actually do a taste test where you have like oh, yeah, six yeah. or eight different whiskeys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you taste uh, American whiskey and uh, Scotch and Irish whiskey. You make Canadian. a com- comparative tasting. When you're going into a pub, for me, the reason to go to the pub is the crack. That's the conversation. And the music. They got inc- Well, you got to have a beer, too, to lubricate all that stuff. But, of course you do. You know, but the music there is one of the great treats in European travel. Trad is the, is the lingo, isn't it? Trad. Traditional music. Trad, and it's yeah. actually, it would be to me like square dancing being popular in America. It just wouldn't really happen. But in Ireland, it really is cool, the traditional music. Is that right? It's, it's the, it has a modern feel to it? Uh, yeah. I think as we become more European, we want to also you know, explore and hold on to our Irishness more. But not just out of some, some 
baseless reason, just simply because it is a very good music as well. I don't know anyone who has a pulse who can sit and listen to Irish music and not tap their feet. Anyone with any soul has to, you know, it's tap true. along. It's tap true. Along. I got to tell you, some of the most fond memories for me traveling anywhere in Europe is in a good pub in Ireland with new friends, great music, beautiful Guinness, and you're really enjoying the essence of Ireland. Yeah. But there was a, there's another thing about the, about the music now you're, you're saying uh, that, that uh, it's actually cool to listen to traditional Irish music. Um, the, there was a band called Planksty and they were, they were very active in, in the early 70s and w- one of their mu- uh, musicians was Andy Irvine and he went, to, he went around. There was a kind of a renaissance in the folk uh, tradition across the world and he went out, he went out into Eastern Europe and he, and he, start, and he started listening to um, the influences of Eastern European music like uh, Bulgarian music and Greek music and he brought back instruments like the bazooki the bazooki, which is a Greek music, uh, musical instrument, but you'll see it being played in, in, in Irish bars. And, and mm-hmm. people were saying, like, what are they doing playing bazookis over here? But, I mean, when you listen to what the Irish uh, musicians are doing with these instruments, they're, they're, they're not only exploring Irish ideas, but they're also exploring world ideas, you know, uh, with, with, with Irish music. And uh, it's for, for that as well that it's, it's still a dynamic form of music. You know, it, it's not like square dancing in the States right. where it's people a, are just, you know, doing the traditional dance and nothing else. It's actually moving along and, and there's, a, there's a dynamic in it, you know. So which, it's that's a living expression. Yeah, of this yeah, culture. Yeah. That's a great yeah. thing. Thank you very much, Stephen and Declan, for this fascinating discussion on your wonderful country, Ireland. Thanks for having us. things as strange or just friends we have not yet met. I like that. You guys can head on down to Rory's. Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. There's more online in the radio section at ricksteves.com where you can look up information on this and other programs in this series. You can also participate in discussion boards on a variety of travel topics and submit your questions and comments. That's at ricksteves.com. Join us next time as we travel with Rick Steves. Travel with Rick Steves is brought to you by American Airlines. With their new Advantage Award booking tool, it's easier than ever to book to over 800 Advantage Award destinations online at aa.com. American Airlines knows why you fly.